You're listening to the Inside Out Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production and powered by Midwest Sports. The purpose of this series is to determine the best American male tennis player at any given point in the open era. To signify which American male sat on top of the American men's tennis world, we award them the hypothetical championship belt. Here's the criteria I used in judging each of these players. Grand Slam titles, year-end rankings, popularity amongst fans, Davis Cup success, success on the American Junior Tour, and last but not least, head-to-head records. The first three episodes in this series primarily focused on three men, Arthur Ashe, Jimmy Connors, and John McEnroe. For the first 25 years of the Open Era, these men defined American men's tennis. Following in these footsteps would be no easy task. In fact, it took over half a decade for a worthy successor for the belt to emerge. Luckily for American tennis fans, Ash, Connors, and McEnroe soon became relics of the past. The country's greatest generation of players, Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, Michael Chang, and Jim Courier, were finally ready to carry the mantle and push American men's tennis to uncharted heights. Part 4, A New Day in America, the golden era of U.S. men's tennis begins. At the end of the 80s, with both McEnroe and Connors in full decline, the prospects of American men's tennis seemed quite bleak. After McEnroe's 1984 U.S. Open title, American men were held slamless for the next 16 events. At the time, that was the longest streak in American tennis history, and oh, how the times have changed. Successful American juniors like Tim Trigiro, who won the 1985 U.S. Open Boys Singles Championships, and Sammy Giamalva, Jimmy Brown, and John Letts, back-to-back-to-back champions of the Boys 18's Kalamazoo titles, all failed to break through the pro rankings. Even the successful players, like Aaron Crickstein and Jimmy Arias, failed to win any Grand Slam titles. Instead, players like Yvonne Lendl, Boris Becker, and Stefan Edberg look primed to dominate the tour for the foreseeable future. Then, in the blink of an eye, everything changed. By the start of the 1990s, the quartet of Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, Jim Courier, and Michael Chang had resurrected American tennis and appeared ready to carry it to newfound heights. 1989-1990, Michael Chang. First to snatch the belt was Michael Chang. You know how in middle school there are always those few kids who go through puberty and mature really fast, then have to sit and watch as everyone else catches up? Compared to his contemporaries' careers, Chang was the one that developed fastest. You know, I turned pro a little before my 16th birthday, and obviously to have a career at such a such a young age is uh, a little bit mind-boggling. But um, you know, I enjoyed tennis so much that. Um, 
you know, I had the opportunity to, to turn pro. I had some obviously some good, really good results in juniors and then some, uh, some really good results in the professional uh, tour as an amateur. So it, uh, it was not like I was going in on the tour blind. So I think for me to, to have the opportunity to play on tour, uh, travel around the world, compete in the biggest uh, events, um, events that I've watched, you know, growing up on TV for, for many, many years was, was really, truly exciting. And, um, you know, I did it for 16 plus years and, uh, and enjoyed every minute of it. A 15-year-old Michael Chang won the 1987 Boys 18's Kalamazoo title over a field that included Pete Sampras, Jim Courier, Jeff Tarango, and Malvi Washington. He became the youngest male Grand Slam singles champion ever just two years later, winning the 1989 French Open in stunning fashion. Chang defeated Pete Sampras in the second round and needed five sets to overcome both Yvonne Lendl and Stefan Edberg en route to his Lone Slam title. In a match for the ages, Michael Chang, at 17 years of age, played a contentious Yvonne Lendl. Cramping so badly, Chang couldn't sit down between changeovers. He pulled off the miracle from two sets down to upset Lendl and eventually become the first American to win Roland Gallos since Tony Trabert in 1955. Chang was also a key member of the 1990 U.S. Davis Cup championship team. His dramatic comeback from two sets down against Austria led the U.S. into its first Davis Cup final since 1984. Chang won his match in the Davis Cup Finals as well, leading the U.S. to its first title since 1982. You know, 1990 was uh, was a good year for for us. Um, you know, I played uh, uh, with Andre and uh, Rick Leach and Jim Pugh, and uh, we had a very tough tie in in Austria uh, in the semifinals. And you know, I came out and uh, and played against uh, Scoff in that final match, and uh, he was just you know, just on fire, you know, just uh, the crowd was behind him and, you know, lost the first two sets and um, able to squeak out the uh, the third set and then, uh, you know, able to, to get through uh, uh, the fourth set and the fifth set. Uh, I actually was cramping in the last the last game just from the tension, you know, that ended up to be, uh, be huge for us to, to get through that, that semifinal time. Though Courier, Sampras, and particularly Agassi each experienced success on tour by 1990, Chang ended a slamless and Davis Cupless streak for American men's tennis that had dated back to 1984. Chang also held an early edge in his head-to-head competition against those three compatriots, carrying a 4-1 record through his first five matches against Jim Courier, a 5-0 record in his first five matches against Pete Sampras, and a 2-4 record, the best mark of his career, against Andre Agassi. And though Courier, Sampras, and particularly Agassi had each also experienced success on tour by 1990, Chang ended a slamless and Davis Cupless streak for American men's tennis that dated back to 1984. For those symbolic reasons alone, he must be the first of the four to receive the belt. 1990-1991. Pete Sampras. In Sampras, a star is born. Both Andre Agassi and Michael Chang were members of the 1990 Davis Cup team. Both had cracked the top five and had experienced numerous successes on tour. 
Pete Sampras and Jim Courier were not a part of that Davis Cup team. Why, then, are they the next two recipients of the belt? Let's start with Sampras. USTA President David Markin went out of his way after the Davis Cup final to credit Pete Sampras for the resurgence in American men's tennis. Pete Sampras was not even on the team. That being said, Markin knew that Sampras's talent would soon lead to successful results, and soon enough, he was rewarded for his belief. Pete played in the shadows of his peers. Chang won the French Open at 17. Higher-ranked Courier and Agassi were already generating a buzz. He really went onto the tour with very little expectations in the early years. I think he still thought that he was in development. Pete uh, mentally maybe wasn't as strong as, as maybe some of the other players. It took a little while for me to get a little bigger and stronger and more fit and just to learn how to play out there. And it just all came together at the right time. Sampras lost to Chang the first five times they played. But after 1990, Sampras won 11 of their 14 matches. During his run to the 90 U.S. Open men's singles title, he dominated the likes of Lendl, McEnroe, and Agassi with a fluid, explosive serve and volley game that oozed with potential. It was just a fairy tale type of, of story. I mean, I didn't expect it. No one expected it. But in 1990, Pete Sampras became the youngest man to win the U.S. Open Singles Championship. We were crying and just so excited for him and just really couldn't believe it. It was kind of a fairy tale. I mean, we were kind of going, is this real? Did he just win the U.S. Open? Pete Sampras, you are the youngest person to ever win the United States Men's Championship. After becoming the youngest U.S. Open champion ever, Sports Illustrated selected Sampras to be on their cover. Why did they do so? After the U.S. Open, he reached both the semifinals of the Masters 1000 in Stockholm and won the year's final event, the Grand Slam Cup, knocking off Ivanisevic, Michael Chang, and Brad Gilbert on his way to the title. He was the youngest U.S. Open champion ever and as such, soon appeared on TV shows with celebrities Greg Gumbel and David Letterman. And despite being ranked below Agassi and Courier in both the 91 and 92 year-end rankings respectfully, he was labeled the next great American. Unfortunately for Sampras, his game was not yet ready for the spotlight. He failed to meet fans' lofty expectations during those 91 and 92 seasons and produced underwhelming results until his 1993 Wimbledon title. With Courier, Agassi, and Chang all still in their primes as well, the door was wide open for any of them to take the belt. Enter Jim Courier, the high-energy redhead with a funky forehand who refused to be forgotten. 1991 to Wimbledon 1993. Jim Courier proves American tennis is back. By the start of the 1991 ATP season, all four of Sampras, Courier, Agassi, and Chang had managed to crack the top 25 in singles. The lowest ranked of the four at number 23 was Jim Courier. To that point, he was the only member of the group who had neither made a Grand Slam singles final nor been ranked inside of the top 10. However, to start the year, 
Chang, Agassi, and Sampras decided not to play the Australian Open. Courier, meanwhile, began his season with a loss to world number one Stefan Edberg in the round of 16. He used both the momentum and the points from that match to launch himself into the upper echelons of American men's tennis. In March, Courier won the first two Masters titles of his career, sweeping the sunshine double of Indian Wells in Miami and picking up wins over Emilio Sanchez, Guy Forget, Michael Stitch, and fellow American Andre Agassi along the way. He quickly erased one deficiency from his resume and earned a top 10 ranking by the start of April 91. He rode that momentum to a semifinals appearance in Tokyo and ultimately the first major title of his career at the 1991 French Open. Oh, what a way to win it! What a way to win it for Jim Courier. The 20 year old becomes a Grand Slam champion. Terrific contest. In that tournament, all four American men were given top 10 seats in the singles draw. Courier beat Agassi in the men's final, and the message to American tennis fans was loud and clear. American tennis was back, and the future looked even brighter than ever. From the 1991 French Open to the 1993 Wimbledon, Courier went 5-0 against Agassi, 7-4 against Chang, and earned two of his four career wins over Pete Sampras. During the 92 Davis Cup season, Courier played singles ahead of fellow countrymen Chang and Sampras and won the title-clinching match for the U.S. team. He went 22-3 at majors in 1993 and made the final in three of the year's four slams. In fact, all seven of Courier's Grand Slam finals appearances occurred during this time period. He won both the 91 and 92 French Opens and took home titles at the 92 and 93 Australian Opens as well. If beating two former belt recipients doesn't give you the crown, I don't know what will. To strengthen his case even further, on February 10th, 1992, Courier became the first American man since John McEnroe to rise to number one in the ATP singles rankings. During the 92 Davis Cup season, it was Courier playing singles ahead of fellow countrymen Chang and Sampras, and he won the title-clinching match for the U.S. team. He wrapped up the match and the Davis Cup, winning the fourth set when Elastic couldn't handle Courier's hot serve. A big win for Courier, who's only won three of eight Davis Cup matches. The U.S. has won the title 30 times. World Cup. Courier, who's had limited success in Davis Cup play, is the hero today, raised upon the shoulders of his teammates after he clinches the Davis Cup for the U.S. Then each American gets his turn as flag bearer, Pete Sampras, followed by John McEnroe. Then Andre Agassi with the hair. And finally, Courier. It's a big relief for him, especially after his poor showing for the U.S. during the Olympics. Though Courier's accomplishments are often overshadowed by the historic careers of both Agassi and Sampras, his 28-month run from 91 to 93 was one of the finest in American men's tennis history. He certainly earned the belt during this time period and deserves recognition for his incredible stretch of success. Unfortunately for him, Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi would not go away quietly. In fact, 
their rivalry soon transcended the sport and rendered all other American male players, regardless of their results, obsolete. Shout out to Blue Claw Music and Thomas Ackley for their song, America the Beautiful, Hip Hop Track Remix, which you hear used throughout this podcast series. To find more of their work, check out their channel on YouTube. I also want to give a shout out to Chris Kwan, M. Cheng Now, the ITF, Fox Sports, RT Tennis, and Voltage Purple for some of the clips we use during this podcast. That'll do it for this episode of The Belt, but as you can see, things in American men's tennis getting more and more exciting as we enter this era in the game. Coming up next, the peak of the sport in our country from the men's side. We discuss and analyze the rivalry and accomplishments, accolades, and impact of Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi, two of our greatest champions the country has ever produced. That topic on our next episode of the belt.